This is the Action Network Podcast. Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. Welcome in, everybody, to the Action Network Podcast. We are back on the greens, the fairways, whatever golf adage you want to fill in the blank with. But we're talking golf. Uh, Next stop here on the PGA Tour, the 150th Open Championship, the return to St. Andrews, the 150th anniversary, uh, the home of golf, as they like to say, uh, in Scotland. We have our excellent crew joining us, your host today, Brendan Glasheen, joining us for this uh, PGA Breakdown This Golf episode here on the Action Network podcast we have. Nick Brettwish, who is one of the co-hosts of Better Golf, the Better Golf Pod, and his partner in crime, Spencer Aguiar. You can find both of these guys on Twitter. Nick Betwish is at Sticks Picks, Sticks with an X, and then uh, Spencer is at Tee Off Sports. Uh, gents, looking forward to this episode, uh, getting set for the Open Championship in Scotland. Spencer, we'll go to you first here. Um, it's all, I always find a, a little course breakdown uh, interesting to get us started here, especially when you look at the field. It's a little different because we don't have a ton of history with, uh, with this field here in terms of the golfers. No, we don't. And that's going to make it unique with the way that we handicap this tournament in general. So we have the old course at St. Andrews. It's 7,305 yards, par 72 a mixture of greens that feature half fescue, a quarter bent grass, 10% poa, and a small combination of local grasses. Most of what I just said there doesn't do a great job of explaining the venue. There are some weeks where the yardage or par total gives you a broad understanding of what to expect, but St. Andrews is an enigma when compared to other typical open championship tracks. The one similarity is the weather. That will be the ultimate decider on how difficult of a test we should expect for the week. But the old course has universally been regarded as one of the most straightforward open venues in the rotation in calm conditions. I do believe the RNA is aware of this and will do everything in its power to make the fairways that brown, you know, baked out texture that will create some zip. But there isn't a ton that you can do to change the property and make it more difficult. It's one of those courses where 100 years ago, the penalties were more pronounced, but modern technology has removed a ton of the danger off the tee for your longer hitters that can carry the fairway bunkers. There really isn't any more length that could be added to these holes. So you're left with the two primary defenses of the properties being wind and then the massive greens that do roll on the slower side of the equation because of the fescue grass texture. You know, I mentioned at the beginning that we couldn't even use the par total as a potential measure to handicap. And the reason for that is because we get an abnormal 14 par four holes, two par fives and three or two par twos, excuse me there. Half of those par fours stretch between 350 to 400 yards meaning a massive boost in short iron proximity will be needed. And then the combination of distance and accuracy can equally come into play because of these firm fairways that will generate speed. Like think of it like this, the longer hitters can get within a handful of yards of most of these green complexes. Shorter hitters will still be looking at probably about 50 yard type pitch shots themselves. It's a venue where all game types off the tee can play, but it will take a premier short game whether that be from three-putt avoidance or stellar wedge place to tear this place apart. And that's how I built my model this week. Very good. And I'm glad you mentioned the weather because uh, Thursday could be, you know, slightly, slightly mild, but then going into the uh, end of the week, um, it will cool off a bit, but nothing uh, too daunting in terms of hot weather uh, this weekend for the Open Championship. 
Nick, I want to throw a I want to throw a trend at you that jumps out to me in terms of looking ahead to, to the weekend here. 14 of the past 16 winners of the Open Championship have had a top nine finish or better at this event in a previous year to then go on and win it. Were you reading to that at all? Yeah, no, no, not really. I mean, the field's, so, the field's so young. I don't really think it's it's that important. I mean, obviously, Rory's going to get a lot of the love from the public with his mm-hmm. you know past experience at the Open Championship. I mean, Colin won it last year. It seems like nobody has anything to say about Colin Morikawa this year. So, no, not really. Like, I think of a guy, overall, my favorite play on the board in terms of any market I could really get exposure to right now is Cam Smith, and he really doesn't have any Open Championship exposure that – you know, really screams that the past history should create success here. So to me, not really. I'm, I mean, I want guys that are in form, I think for the most part, but that's really all I care about this year. I mean, guys that finished in the top 10 previously, it, it's not a whole lot to me outside of Rory, but you know, it, we don't need to read a lot in the, to say that Rory's in great form right now and a great golfer overall. Fair enough. Rory is your favorite uh, on many boards at plus 900. I'm seeing right now on DraftKings. And you got Xander Schauffele, who's playing well as of late. He's 12 to 1 down the board. You mentioned Cam Smith. He's 25 to 1. Morikawa, he's at uh, uh, 30 to 1. So, look, I'm glad you brought this up because uh, something about Cam Smith, and we can kind of get into to picks now. We'll have best bets, some long shot picks, potentially some sleepers, and then we'll get into some top 40 stuff, top 20s. Uh, Spencer and Nick are all over it when they they put together the card, getting ready for these big events, not just uh, the big events, but other events throughout the course of the PGA Tour. So, Nick, go back. we'll go back to you. Why, and just to kind of tee you up here, pun not intended, but maybe it should be, um, Cam Smith has the short game and the putting uh, to take advantage of some of these uh, par fours on this course, too. Absolutely. So he's one of the best putters in the planet. Um, his... Short proximities that Spencer touched on earlier. I strongly, strongly value 100 yards and in on this course. His around the green, if he's even closer than 50 yards, his proximities around the green are incredible. He's relatively long off the tee, not really in comparison to a lot of you know the top bombers that are at this course, but he is erratic off the tee, and this is something with these wide fairways I think should be a great course fit for a guy like Cameron Smith. If the weather does get windy and turned a little bit, I think it still plays in the Cam Smith's favor. If it rains, it doesn't look like there's any rain in the forecast, but this is Europe. Anything could happen on the turn of a dime. Then I'd maybe fade a little bit just because the distance, you know, he's not going to get the rollout with the hard grounds and the surfaces that Spencer talked about. But everything about Cam Smith's game seems to check these boxes. And really the only downside is he doesn't hit a ton of fairways, but these are the widest fairways he'll play in some time. Okay, very good. In terms of outright winners, Spencer, who are some guys that you're on? You know, just to touch on what Nick just said, too, it's it's the same concept with a player like Jordan Spieth. I think it's why we've seen these players have success at the Masters. They've had success at Kapalua. That would be the Tournament of Champions. It's like these wide open tracks where you can't really miss or something to look into. But uh, for me, for outrights, and I'm going to keep my card pretty wide open just because weather does come into play. You know, you want to keep as many bullets as you can in the holster for it. And uh, there's going to be in tournament bets where I think you're going to get some wave advantages that you might be able to take advantage of. But I do have a two guys that are closer to the top of the board and then a handful of long shots. So okay. I'll start with Patrick Cantlay. I've seen this as high as 28 to one. I was fortunate to be able to grab a 33 to one months ago when I bet him for all four majors, but the perception around Cantlay continues to boost his outright price in these big tournament spots. We have had points this year where Cantlay has been number one in the world for scrambling. 
He's still inside the top 10 for win play. The putting from five to 10 feet places him second in this field. Sure, we can bash him for underachieving results when playing in the most significant events, but 14th at the U.S. Open recently, and the form is percolating with four straight top 14 finishes. I bet Dustin Johnson at 40 to one. It sounds outlandish to say right now, but I do believe Dustin is going to win this tournament. He's second in my model behind only Rory McIlroy when running it for both overall and upside. The high-end results are phenomenal from a statistical perspective, ranking first in weighted tee to green, fourth in par four average. That would be the recollection that I did there. Second in total driving and fourth in weighted proximity. Probably going to also be one of my favorite plays on DraftKings if he's going to be sub 10%. And then from there, that's essentially where I just threw a bunch of darts. I took Adam Scott at 100 to 1. He does have a negative trajectory in my model for upside, but that isn't a death sentence when we get these prices that stretch into the triple digit range. One of the things that I mentioned earlier is I think you're going to be able to putt from off the surface versus having the chip. I believe he can get an improvement there with his potential. I took Webb Simpson at 160 to one. If you exclude the John Deere classic, he has gained in his past five tournaments, both off the tee and approach. And it's historically been these slow surfaces like St. Andrews, where Simpson has been able to take advantage of his flat stick prowess. I took Thomas Peters, 130 to one. That combination of distance and short iron proximity can be extremely beneficial because of the reduction of par five scoring. I don't know if he can actually win, but these link style courses have been known to produce random chaos. And then I did a number grab with Sung JM at 80 to one. My model loves his upside potential, but also hates his floor. That's never going to be a problem for an outright bet since second is as good as a last place finish. So just to, just to set up Nick here, because as a, as a host, I think nowadays in the podcast world, part of your preparation is to go see if the two of you in particular are beefing with each other on Twitter. And yep, I found it. Uh, Spencer said, I just remembered I ran an open championship model nearly 11 months ago as I look ahead for potential tickets for St. Andrews after the last open finished. Webb Simpson model rank number one, Patrick Cantlay number two, as Spencer just laid out. And then uh, appears uh, Ryan Reynolds. Nick, uh, the Ryan Reynolds, <laughs> if hand in face, why are you upset? Yeah, I just, I've been, Spencer and I have been going back and forth with Webb Simpson all year long. I just severely question the the upside of a guy like Webb Simpson, but Spencer does draw a really good, you know, point, multiple points for why Webb should find success here. His proximities are incredible. He does great in the top 20 inside my model. I do like the price. What'd you say? It was 130. I mean, that's, that's long yeah, enough. One, my 160. Got him, he got it at 160. 160. I'm seeing oh, 130 God. right now on DraftKings. Yep. Oh, I'm almost talking myself into taking the ticket. But uh, one thing about Dustin Johnson, that was one of uh, my favorite plays prior to speaking to Spencer, too. So I love that he's on him. The 40 to one price is great. He did finish top eight last year, Brendan. So if that fits the narrative of a top nine finish and winning the event the next year, I am all about Dustin Johnson. Okay, very good. How about some other angles besides outrights? You guys attack the board um, in, in a variety of ways uh, when, you, when you guys get ready. Again, the, the Better Golf podcast, these guys lay out outrights, finishing positions, matchup values. If there's a public matchup discussion going on right now, it's that Max Homa is now in the same group as Tiger Woods, and that's a, a big uh, a big moment for him because he like dreamed of that whatever uh, years ago. But uh, when we look at the matchup uh, matchups here for the for the for the Open Championship, does anything stick out that is actionable, Spencer? 
Yeah, I think there's a couple things. You know, the legal books have done an excellent job of shading matchups and avoiding those prototypical head-to-heads where they pit two players together that don't belong. That's probably made things a little bit more challenging for us because the value has been sucked out of these boards. But I will start by saying I would heavily look into if you can find Tiger Woods over Bryson DeChambeau. That isn't the most common matchup at this moment, but as legal books continue to add more choices, which they will do throughout the week, any plus number on Tiger would be worth a look, in my opinion. Bryson's inability to hit a short iron would worry me when it comes to his chances. And I probably can't think of a better venue for Tiger than St. Andrews, especially if we get fairways that are baked down and fast. The short iron numbers have remained elite for Tiger over the years, even if everything else has struggled. And I really wouldn't be shocked if that bet is over by Friday afternoon. But if there's one that I can give that is more on the legal front right now that you can readily find, that would be Tommy Fleetwood minus 118 over Terrell Hatton at BetMGM. I know the typical belief is that any link style course will suit Hatton's game, which is partially true with the success he has found on them in the past. But I do have some concerns that the strengths he has in putting and three-putt avoidance will have to be used more as par-saving mechanisms than actual birdie production chances. Hatton ranks 85th in my model for weighted proximity. The total driving places him 55th. And then losing two par fives hurts his 17th place grade in my weighted par five category and instead shifts that over to the par four section where he ranks 58th overall and 82nd when looking at just short par fours. On the other hand, just because we're going to need something positive out of Fleetwood if we want to make this bet, we see an opposite trajectory by him moving from 75th in weighted par five to 13th in my weighted par four. The weighted proximity also sees a massive boost because of the greater emphasis placed on short iron production, a total where he moves from an expected output of 41st at a random track to 18th when looking specifically at a model that's going to mimic St. Andrews. Okay, very good. That's good stuff. Nick, how about yourself? When we uh, look elsewhere outside of the outright market, we go to matchups, even some uh, some group play stuff as Spencer laid out. Yeah, so someone I, I'm looking for a good matchup to pick on Keegan Bradley. That's someone that I'm fading completely this week. I did find a decent number on Keegan Bradley to miss the cut at plus 150 on FanDuel. Keegan has had a really good year. He's starting to hit the ball longer and actually starting to make putts. But on slow greens, despite a very good three-putt percentage or three-putt avoidance, Keegan Bradley has extremely struggled on these slow greens. And all key proximity is 100 yards and in is not his prowess in addition to the around the green play with inside 50 yards. So Keegan Bradley is someone I'm completely fading would love to find a better matchup for him where he's maybe a favorite or even money against someone like a Fleetwood would be great, but Fleetwood seems to be on another planet right now with the sports book love, but Keegan Bradley to miss the cut plus plus one fifty on FanDuel. I love that also just to throw it out there. Any uh, other context you'd like to provide as to why you like it? Kind of just for the reasons that Nick just said right now. So if we look at his open championship performances, and, and it's not something I want to overly look into because St. Andrews is completely different, but oh, it's it's bad. It's, it's terrible. Bad. <laughs> it's it's miscut in 2021, miscut in 2019, 79th in 2018, a miscut in 2015, specifically at the St. Andrews course. He's 54th in my model overall. He's 69th from an upside perspective. The safety number places him outside of the top 50 and then the weighted putting and we know Keegan Bradley is not a good putter. So this isn't like some groundbreaking thing I'm about to say right now, but he's 145th in this field when looking specifically there. And as Nick said, Keegan Bradley's a great iron player, 
The proximity from within 100 yards, 65th in my model. When you look just in general proximity numbers, he's seventh overall. So if you're going to tell me that you're going to have to be a really good short iron player, which Keegan hasn't proven to be historically in the past, I think he's one of the better fades. And, you know, at, I keep going back to DFS discussions, but at eight to 10%, he's a very natural fade that you can pivot to somebody like, you know, like a Thomas Peters. And I think you can get more upside and more safety built in with him. Okay. Before we wrap things up, we've already talked about some of the outright picks. We'll do one more segment here and then we'll get to best bets before we wrap. But how about some top 20s, some top 40s? Because historically, when we've had both of you on the Action Network podcast talking golf, we've had the Masters pod, we had the uh, US Open episode. You guys are all over the, the top 40s and the top 20s. So why don't you go first, Spencer? Yeah, I will do three on this show today. Uh, the other two you can catch over on links and locks when Nick and I run through our placement wagers for every event. But I will start with Adam Scott, top 40, plus 155 FanDuel. That is minus 110 on DraftKings. The current metrics are all over the map, but it's been more of a boomer bust production than one part of his game struggling. He gained eight shots with his irons at the Memorial and route to a 67th place finish where everything else imploded. He earned 4.2 combined at the PJ Championship and Byron Nelson with the driver when the irons couldn't be positive. The short game has been a mess for a while now, but the fact that Scott will be able to putt from off the surface is a massive boost for his potential. We see that with his 114th place mark moving inside the top 35 when comparing around the green totals to strictly three putt numbers. That is one of the critical factors that can come into play at these large green complexes in general that minimize rough and enhance creativity. Not all the ground, the green metrics are built equally. So I'm looking for potential options that might struggle around the green, but are superb at three putt avoidance. Scott fits that bill to a T. Uh, I grabbed Thomas Peters, as I just mentioned a second ago, top 40 plus 150 fan duel. That is plus 130 DraftKings. It becomes a redundant answer at some point to keep saying all the same stats over and over again. But it just comes down to if I trust the recalculated three putt numbers that I ran, which places him 25th in this field or the two-year sample size on all green complexes where he breaks a hundred and twenty second. I'm always going to trust my data because it's the only way to try and gain an edge. But Peters feels like an underappreciated version of Ryan Fox, where he ranks top 25 in this field for both distance and short iron proximity, but he's going to go under the radar. And then I ended with Russell Henley, top 40 plus 240 on FanDuel, plus 150 on DraftKings. Nick is all over Russell Henley himself this week. So I don't want to spend too much time reiterating all the points that he's I'm sure going to bring up in a second, but there is a definite master's comp that can be looked into Henley in his last five attempts at Augusta has produced finishes of 30th, 15th, 11th, 21st, and 31st. He ranks eighth in my model for weighted proximity fifth in driving accuracy, which should help him create some extra rollout on these firm fairways. And he's also one of the best players in the world. When we look at these short to medium length par four holes, we kind of keep saying it over and over again, but I'd ignore the open championship form for the most part. His appearance in 2015 at St. Andrews yielded his best finish ever of 20th overall. And the recent results have been worse than the stats he has provided for those showings. I guess the other one I will tease just because it's fun to do and it's going to get some sort of a conversation going, but I kind of like Phil Mickelson at plus 300. If you're really looking for a Hail Mary type of play. 
Okay, Nick, you're going to explode on that one too. Mickelson oh, at plus 300. I think he will. I think I set him up for that. <laughs> no, no comment. I played the fifth on anything Phil related. I think it's uh, you're better off donating that money to a charity, like I always like to say. But yeah, just to reiterate, Russell Henley does show up. Is my my favorite bet of the week is his top 40 on FanDuel at plus 240. I believe points bet has the same number there. He shows up as number one in expected proximity from 50 to 100 yards for me. He does hit a ton of fairways, so the the lack of distance off the tee is a bit mitigated there. I just love everything about Russ Henley. You could get him outright on points bet right now at 175 to one. I believe that is the longest shot for me on the board. I doubt he has the winning equity, but like Spencer said, last time he played the track, it was a top 20 finish and he is a much better player now than he was back then. The form's not really there, but I think this, uh, this number proper should be right around plus 150 plus 175 at the longest. So the books are kind of just taking the recent struggles of Russell Henley and really inflating that number. Um, but Sam Burns was a favorite play for me in the top 40 market. FanDuel laid minus 105. It's down to minus 135 now. So I don't really want to recommend you chasing that number, but I absolutely love what Spencer said about, uh, Thomas Peters trying to find a, a more European style player. So I took Adri Arnas top 40, on FanDuel plus 240. He's a long hitter. His proximity is great very strongly for me, and he's a good slow putter, um, putter on slow greens, I should say, decent form. Um, but other than that, I think the only other sprinkle for me is going to be buying low on Hideki Matsuyama, top 30 on FanDuel is plus 130. I believe that number should be closer to even money. And then I guess I have one more sprinkle is buying low on Cam Young. This guy was minus 150 to minus 175 to finish top 40 in any tournament that he played in the past couple months. On FanDuel, that number is now plus 140. He's a guy that's excellent and windy, hits the ball a mile. His proximities within 100 yards are incredible, and he's very successful on putting on slow greens from the short career that we have data on. But I think buying low on Cam Young when the market went the other way is something I'm very interested in. The co-hosts of Better Golf Pod. That's where you can find the guys on Twitter, Better Golf Podcast, at Better Golf Pod. Spencer Aguiar, the 2021 FSWA Golf Writer of the Year, may I add. And also uh, Sticks Picks on the Twitter machine. Nick Brettwish also does a great job. This is the Action Network Podcast. And be on the lookout, speaking of Action Network Podcast, we also have links and locks. You guys will be uh, appearing this week. For Spencer Aguiar, Nick Brettwish, Brendan Glasheen, thanks for tuning into the Action Network Podcast. Join us every Friday for UFC on the Action Network Podcast. And uh, that's what we have coming up for you as the summer continues. Uh, Good luck this week, everybody. Be sure to catch the guys on links and locks, and we'll join you next time.